Welcome back to this week's Grime America show. We'll be talking to Karen Hudes a little bit later on. Uh, we'll be talking a little Paradigm Symposium. Um, but first, as always, how's it going, Grab? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, Darren. Talking from home on my new mic. Yeah. The Yeti, is it? Yes, the Yeti. Sweet. How's it working for you? I can't. I don't know. It sounds pretty good, I think. But uh, I'm a little worried. It's a bit too sensitive. We yeah. need to get a filter for it, but um, this is all I got right now. So. Yeah, the internet connection is kind of shitty, too. So hopefully it holds up. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Skype, but it's just terrible right now. Yeah, so hopefully it holds out. Uh, of course, you're uh, you're not in studio tonight because you're fucking out of here tomorrow. Yeah, I got to pack because I'm out like nine hours. So um, it's funny with the mic thing. Like I used to hear these guys on podcasts talk about their mics, and I uh, when we started up, I was thinking I'm just going to get a cheap mic, and I won't, won't be one of these guys that that buys new mics and all that. Uh, what am I like my third one already? Yeah. Well, if you count your headset. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Eh? So anyways, but you know, but we need extra, extra equipment anyways. Right. So it's not like, uh, I'm just doing it for the hell of it. It's just, uh, trying to figure out what works, right. What's portable, what's USB and what's, uh, XLR and all that shit. Well, hopefully you get a good test of that paradigm with a few people. Yeah, well, this one could be the, the one that we can actually use just to sit on a table and actually do an interview. So hopefully it'll be good. So are you excited for Paradigm? Yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to hanging out with some uh, like-minded people. When does that fire up again? Next, when do you end up there? Wednesday? When does what fire up? Paradigm? Is it? No, Thursday. Thursday. You get Thursday. there Thursday? Yeah. yeah, I get there Thursday. Uh, Right on, brother. Yeah. I'll stay a little day uh, after maybe, uh, say, in St. Paul's, check out the sites a bit. So the sweet thing about your mic is you bought it through our site's Amazon link there as well, too. So Yeah, I did. I'm still waiting for the other uh, three packages that I bought that day, but that one, at least this one came through. Yeah. So what you you just went to grimerica.ca slash Amazon? Uh, no, I went to grammerica.ca and I just clicked on the Amazon button there. And then it took me to Grimer <laughs> took me to amazon.ca. But the weird thing is then I, I couldn't find what I was looking for, so I went to amazon.com. And it still registered me through Grimerica. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, once again, guys, anytime you're getting anything through Amazon, go ahead and uh, go through Grimerica and Helps us buy new mics. Yetis. Yeah. yeah. There's, another, there's another one called Nessie. The Nessie? Yeah, there's another one called Nessie. Isn't that weird, eh? Like, why would Blue Microphones name a mic Yeti and a name a mic yes, Nessie? After Cryptids? I wonder yeah. if they have another mic called Cryptid. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, um, yeah, what were you saying there before I interrupted you? About what? I don't know. I thought you were saying something. Probably not. Nothing important. How was Greg Braden? 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 Greg, Greg, Greg Braden. Yeah, it was. It was really good, man. It was a Friday night thing. I didn't. I, I wasn't able to go to the whole Saturday uh, day. There was a whole day workshop. 
but I was just able to do the Friday one, but it was it was pretty cool. Like I think we need to do a show on um, the mysterious universe. Universe guys would love this. We, I think we'll against their grain on the frequency thing, right? There's some good science around frequency stuff. So I don't know. I think we gotta. I think we gotta hit that thing head on and and just like drum up all this science on. Uh, frequencies and coherent uh, resonance and all this kind of stuff anyways that's not what the whole thing was about but he definitely went over a lot of the false assumptions of science talked about where we're at right now in the world and and where uh history is has come from like so a lot of it was uh there was some ancient stuff he's talking about uh Go, gobekli tepe and how civilization modern civilization has been proved to be around 10, 12,000 years ago now. And he talked about the cycle, the 5,000-year cycles, and how we're going through a new cycle now. And the last cycle was full of war, but the cycle before that, apparently there's no evidence of war. So it was kind of good to see a new take on that. I haven't really thought of it in that way before. Um, they talked. He talked about uh, this heart math stuff that we heard on the Adam Curry talking about on the No Agenda show. You know how the, the heart actually sends a lot of messages to your brain like your brain's not necessarily generating everything it's kind of a conversation back and forth with your heart the biggest organ i guess in your brain and uh, he talked about that like uh you know feeling care appreciation compassion and gratitude actually creates a different uh frequency coherence in your heart like they can measure this so if you're if you're in anger or frustration it affects your actual heartbeat and the coherence of it so pretty cool man um pretty cool stuff a lot of science uh, meets spirituality kind of talking about that that part that uh where they overlap that's why people have heart attacks when they're fucking freaking out and yelling yeah maybe there's something to that yeah and there's stuff about cooperation over competition like you know, he talked a lot about how people don't want to accept the way the world is right now. They're kind of like stuck in this limbo waiting for the world to go back the way it is. And really, we need to accept it and go with the change because it isn't going back to the way it was. Did you uh, did you listen to um, Chris Ryan on uh, Duncan Trussell Family Hour? The latest no, one? No, no, I haven't. Oh, I heard the, I heard, fuck, I heard, dude. I heard them talking about it. At uh, sometime, I was just listening to uh, Duncan Trussell and Joe Rogan. But yeah, it's fucking really good. You got to listen to it. It's one of the best ones I've heard. What was the gist? Really? Uh, mostly just shooting the shit, but it's just got some really good spot. That fucking Chris Ryan's one smart motherfucker. Like he gets into a little bit of like um, uh, hunter gatherer man versus farming man and shit like that. I, I recommend downloading it for sure. It's it was a good listen. It's like two hours long. It's it was it was a good one. One of the better ones I've listened to in a while, actually. Well, I haven't uh, listened to the Duncan Trussell family or yet, actually, but I listened to uh, one of the Chris Ryan episodes recently, and uh, it was absolutely fascinating too. I, th I think I told you about it, but you should check out one of the latest uh, Chris Ryan ones too. Yeah, I will. Um, so you can listen to some fucking books on your plane ride. Some audible books? Are you gonna? I don't know. Should, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know what? I'm falling behind on podcasts too. That's the problem right now. Um, you gotta start listening to them on double speed. Oh, I know who it was. So it was Dave Asprey on Christopher Ryan. 
Oh, it's fascinating because they're talking about hacking biosystem, right? Like biohacking. So he like plugs himself into. Is that the yeah. guy that like set it up so his job was done for him? He like automated his job was his first thing where yeah, he started. That's a guy, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, listened, yeah but it, I think I listened to that one, most of it. Yeah, you got to keep going if you have another way, but yeah, pretty crazy. And he's, uh, this is, these are people in Canada, right? Like Chris was in Vancouver and, and uh, the other guy was in Vancouver Island. So, anyways, uh, Audible. Yeah, I, I should probably download some books before I go. Fuck. You know what? I should. I'm going to have to do that tonight now. I should probably do that just so I have a variety of them to listen to because I got three free credits on there. Yeah, and a couple of planes. And... I should probably download some of the guys that are going to be speaking at Paradigm maybe. Yeah, why not? You you definitely can get... Um, ugh, maybe not. You might have trouble finding some of those on audio. Yeah, maybe. I'll check it out anyways. So, so if people want to do that, how do they... Uh, how do they do that so it helps us? Audibletrial.com forward slash America. Okay. So you have to put up the website's kind of slow right now. I don't know. I can't figure out how to speed it up. So if anyone has any tips, uh, feel free to send us an email. Um, actually, I think someone actually tweeted me. I, I have to go back through my messages because I think someone tweeted me saying they'd be willing to help out. And I totally got lost in the confusion. The confusion that is... Uh, the day in and day out of Grime America. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you should spend fucking time trying to convert PCs into Macs. Hey, I'm, well, that project is almost officially done. The only thing I can't get working right now is my wireless. My Ethernet works, but not my wireless. But if I have to, I'll go out and buy a, a 20 or $30 USB uh, wireless Wi-Fi thing there. Maybe that's why you've ruined your Skype connection or why we can't get a good connection here because you're messing things up. I'm on my other computer. I'm, I guarantee you that my Mac is running fine. Yeah. Now, my, now even my shitty Lenovo computer, little shitty laptop, Lenovo laptop is better than yours. No. Are you kidding? No. We'll see. But I bet you anyway, just the OS X makes it better. No viruses, no glitching up. Give yours a couple of months, it'll be just fucked again. Hey, uh, David Wilcock uh, has got a new book out called The Synchronicity Key. Actually, it just came out in August, so I'm going uh, to grab that one. Ah, fucking David Wilcox. I'm kind of... I know, I know. I know. I'm up that, and down with that guy. I know, but he that, that, whole, that book you listened to got you kicked off on a lot of this stuff, so... Yeah, I don't know. A lot of it was just fucking crazy fucking bullshit, too. Some of it, it's, yeah, you got to take a lot of what that dude's saying with a uh, grain of salt, I think. Yeah. Okay, here's one. Frequency, the power of personal vibration. <laughs> it's another one of his? No, no, it's somebody else's. I'm just saying it. I, it just, you know how people who bought this also bought? Oh, then, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Duncan Trussell's more spiritual than I thought. Eh? He was talking about some really cool books he's reading. Yeah, he's a fucking hippie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I suppose we should welcome in. We got, uh, did we already welcome Malaysia? I can't remember. Well, if not, welcome Malaysia. Cool. Our, we have one Malaysian fan. Cool. Whereabouts? <laughs> Kuala Lumpur? I don't know. It doesn't tell me that much. 
I, I'd love to go back to Malaysia. It's beautiful. Is it? Yeah. yeah, right down just north of Australia, I guess. Hop, skip, and a jump. So I got a, I got a little. Uh, we talked to uh, Karen Hudes on uh, on this episode because I've been fascinated with this money thing uh, ever since I watched the Zeitgeist movies. Right? Have you ever seen those? Yeah, I've. I've seen, I don't know if I've seen all three. I've seen a couple, and then I've seen a couple. Of, what was that? What's that fucking show of his called? Um, he was doing a YouTube series too. I forget what it's called. Culture yeah, so, in decline. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was a P- those are pretty Joseph, good too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got a little clip here, if you don't mind. Just of money is debt. Now I haven't listened to this, but I'm pretty sure I know what it's going to say. So you want to give a shot? Yeah, I'm not going to okay. be able to hear it, but really? Yeah, enjoy. Well, I can't play it then. I thought <laughs> you can try it, but I'm pretty sure that you can play clips. Me and the listeners okay. will be able to hear it. <laughs> It'll just be me on my own little jury here. <laughs> okay, hang on a sec. Can't you hear that? No, I can't hear nothing. Really? You, nor can the listeners. Sorry, buddy. If you're I in could the just, studio. I could read it out loud. Read what? Anyways, it, it talks about how money's created out of debt, right? So it's uh, it's the whole thing. And when it's when I saw that, it kind of Ponzi scheme. Kinda, yeah. But nobody wants to talk about it. No, they're too nobody busy trying to... to get some money. Yeah, exactly. Got to get their hands on some fucking money. So, have you given any thought to getting into prepping? You a prepper? Well, I mean, you can't help but think about it a little bit. Are you prepared? Got, okay. Do you have like a okay. bunch of food and shit? No, no. See, but I would, I would have. Th- no. See, I don't even know. What about seeds? I, Do you have seeds? I don't seeds? even know if I want to go into this. No, no, I don't have anything. No, me neither. I got. No, I don't even have. Shit pops off. Fucking. I don't know. I don't. I figured I'm pretty nice to my neighbors. We could all get along. Yeah, that's what I'm going for too. And then, or fucking just head for the hills. I got a couple of friends that own cabins off the grid, so maybe just you know. I actually, I, one guy's almost ready to to move there, and I said, "Hey, uh, so if things go to fucking hell in a handbasket, can I pop over and can we join podcast you? from there?" <laughs> yeah, maybe. Just get a but, shitty like shortwave antenna. But I've thought about like just having like a little emergency thing, right? With uh, just some food and a little bit of the essentials, right? Who knows? Pistol. No, fuck, are you kidding? I'm not going to have a gun. Well, I uh, I was surfing around today. I got here for you the 10 mistakes, common mis- prepping mistakes that uh, could get you killed. So uh, it's taking a little while to load here, but I, I'm not really that prepared. Oh, yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. What do you mean? What do you, what do you, I don't get it. What do you mean, like a prepping mistake, like not knowing how to load your gun or something like that? Yeah, like what? Well, or, these or load a pre- gun without the safety on or something? These are mistakes preppers possibly could make that could get them killed number one is a false sense of security so you think you're all the shit and then you don't notice i guess uh number two is failing to get immediate family on board you are not a lone ranger you are not good enough to protect your group alone what if you get hurt sick or worse Will your crew be able to pick up the slack? If your spouse looks at you like you're nuts when you talk about prepping, this one is oh, for this you. Is, this, this is just, okay, this is crazy. Are, are you talking about if this is a scenario? 
are these only applicable if the scenario actually happens, like the apocalypse hacking happens? Yes. Okay. For the most right. part, I think. Okay. Ignoring boring prepping areas, we all know about the fun areas of prepping: guns and ammo, bug out bags, food stockpiles. But what about water and first aid? That's kind of a lame one. Uh, falling in love with your plan, not then you're not ready to. What? Yeah, you do, you can't fall in your plan. You can't what? Being unwilling to deviate from your plan could easily get you killed. Oh, okay, yeah. So being too rigid or whatever. Telling acquaintances about your preps. The people that pose the greatest danger to you are your acquaintances. Well, they seem like decent friends now. That will all quickly change. That's just Believe me, when people start to get hungry, thirsty, and angry, your friendship will be the last thing on their mind. Do you believe that? Uh, to an extent, probably not. no. I'd, I, it's tough. Like to I'm say. gonna fucking help people out as much as I can if that happens. Um, buying large amounts of preps at once. It should now be obvi obvious that the government is spying on everything you do. Buying a ton of preps from anywhere all at once is not a great idea. Because I guess it's what is prepping illegal or frowned upon or. No, but it means that you might be, you know, uh, getting ready for something. Um, what else do we got here? I s yeah, that's about it. I think the other, the other, the other ones are kind of fucking lame. So, are you on? On is there a lot of stuff going on Twitter about this whole shutdown? And is there people in the conspiracy realm thinking that something's going to happen here? I don't think so. No. It seems like everyone in the mainstream seems like something's going to happen. Karen Hudes is pretty much saying that there could be a a currency, you know, a currency thing leading to collapse. I was hearing all sorts of shit today about uh, the U.S. economy. So, who I knows? Think, I think uh, the debt ceiling thing is coming on the, the day paradigm starts, so that should be interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting to actually travel around the States during all this. Yeah, see if it's any different down there. I doubt it. Most people don't care. Most people in the States don't care? I don't think so. Maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think it'll be like fucking people in the streets or anything. I don't know, man. I think we got it pretty lucky where we are. I mean, don't you feel grateful for what we got here? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Except in the winter, it's pretty hard to feel grateful when it's minus 40. Oh, that's fucking hardly minus 40, buddy. Maybe for a week. Yeah, that's a week too much. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem, I guess, in Canada, right? Like you're either in Vancouver where it's pissing rain all winter long or you're somewhere else and it's going to be fucking cold for some portion of the year global warming needs to hurry the fuck up <laughs> it's cooling now buddy hey what happened to that guest you're gonna have on i don't know he never got back to me he probably figured out our ammo we're probably bad for his look uh, maybe no i should try again yeah i will for sure we're bad for people's looks sometimes you think so mainstream people yeah, exactly. Oh well. Yeah, fuck it. Hey, you you be before you leave, you should email me that uh music you got that we were listening to. Uh what's what's that? Uh what do you mean? That Monroe shit. Oh. 
Yeah, sure. Sweet. Or, yeah, the thing is, I don't remember exactly what, what I played. Uh, you'll have to to help me with that. Did you listen to it at all? How does it how does it feel? Listen, no, I haven't. No. Okay. I'm, are, you, are you are you procrastinating? Yeah, well, I've been pre- pre- uh, I've been procrastinating prepping? on fucking everything. I'm busy prepping. <laughs> I got right now. I got two interviews. Well, you're you're leaving right for like a week and a bit, so it gives me lots of time to get caught up on things. Plus, it's a long weekend, so I'll probably do quite a bit of editing. This episode was late getting out for sure because it's Friday now. It's our Thanksgiving. There's no way it's getting out tonight. Uh, it's probably not going to get out till Sunday now. Sunday night, I'd imagine. Oh, well, we got lots coming up. We can catch up a bit. Yeah, and then I'll probably start chipping away on the psilocybin episode this weekend as well. Um, it's probably not going to come out for another week and a half at least, I'll say. Alrighty. I guess, uh, I guess that's about it. We should probably uh, get on to this wicked interview. Yeah, sounds guys, sounds good, guys. Enjoy our chat with Karen Hudes. Guys, uh, we're going to be chatting with Karen Huday here tonight on the Grimerica show. Uh, but first, as always, here's Graham. Hey, Darren, how's it going tonight? So tonight we have uh, Karen Hudes on. She studied law at the Yale Law School and Economics at the University of Amsterdam, and she worked in the U.S. Export Import Bank of the U.S. from '80 80 to '85, and in the legal department of the World Bank from '86 to 2007. She established a non-governmental organization committee on the International Law Section of the American Bar Association and the Committee on Multilateralism and the Accountability of International Organizations of the American Branch of the International Law Association. Quite a mouthful there. Quite a bio there, Karen. Welcome to the Grimerica Show. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've been looking for this for, uh, forward to this for a while. It's great to have you on. So we, um, you know, we talk about all kinds of different topics here. Um, so I know you've, I've, I've listened to some of your, uh, your chats before, and I'm sure you've, you've talked about the same old stuff over and over. So feel free to, uh, to talk about anything, anything interesting, anything new, anything that you're, uh, that you want to get into with us. All right. 
one thing um, is we uh, it's, some of this is going to be overhead. It's pretty uh, you know you get into some pretty deep uh, economic stuff, financial stuff. So try and try and uh, dumb it down a little bit for us. <laughs> we'll try and keep up with you. Yeah, no, I'm. Um, they usually make things more complicated than they really are. I mean, greed is pretty easy to follow. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, what uh, what's uh, can you kind of bring us into your background and and what caused you to 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 I guess become the whistleblower that you are today? Yeah, I think probably um, the thing that explains where I landed uh, at the moment better than anything is just um, sheer stubbornness and curiosity. Things were. Um, really not easy to figure out. And I, I was curious as to what all was going on. And the other, the other thing about me, you know, people are peculiar in certain ways. And one of the things um, I am is I don't intimidate. Um, it's, you know, it's landed me in some real scrapes. It's not, you know, I mean, people, some people are colorblind and I'm just a person who doesn't back off when people threaten me. It just turns me the other way around. I get irritated. <laughs> so anyway, um, so it's been really um, a wild ride and I've enjoyed every minute of it because um, what started to happen was that um, I got to know other, other people who were tangling with the same cast of characters and we just sort of um, grouped together and, you know, we, we would um, just sort of compare notes and um, so it's gotten it's gotten to be really nice to get to know some of these people. I've really enjoyed that. And did this start with one one specific thing? And then as you met more people and as you dug deeper, it kind of uh, spider webbed out or snowballed into uh, a larger, I don't know, conspiracy, maybe. Yeah. And, and part of the um, the other thing that explains what all happened is that, um, you know, I've been accused of being wildly naive. And so people that were doing weird things, I just, I mean, it wouldn't be that you would say I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. I just, um, I was clueless. You know how um, in junior high, everybody knew what the score was. I was, you know, I was the kid who just couldn't read the signals. So here I am in the World Bank where everybody's crooked and I'm just sort of running around, knocking on doors, pretending, you know, like goody two shoes that everything's the way it's supposed to be. And they must have really been laughing at me for being totally, you know, out of it. Um, but as a result, um, I, you know, I just kept on writing letters and going back to people. And so I have, you know, I tagged everybody as a result. <laughs> That's what happened. So what was the main thing that you kind of blew the whistle on then? Well, what there were a couple of things. One of the things was that before I went in there, I had an idea about, um, think of like an operation manual, that there was um, a lawyer who had been there when the treaty was written. The World Bank was established in 1944 by 44 countries. And there was a lawyer, um, a Dutch lawyer, who was in the Dutch embassy and went to the uh, conference in Bretton Woods, which is a ski resort in New Hampshire. And then he became the longest serving general counsel. And when I got to know him, he, you know, he had been retired for a long time and I hadn't even started working there. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I, I got to know him um, and he he played the piano and I played the cello. And so, you know, I would um, hang out and he would tell me about what things were like. And he told me what had happened uh, when Robert McNamara came to the World Bank in 1968. That's when the World Bank started to get corrupt. And the thing about the legal department at the World Bank is it's kind of like a traffic cop between the board. Um, the, the World Bank is not, it's structured like a corporation. It has a board, although most international organizations that have countries um, as members aren't structured that way. But the World Bank is, and the board is resident there, and they're supposed to be part of, you know, running the bank. And they're, um, so when the legal department is, is there, it's supposed to serve as a traffic cop between the board which now has 25 members, um, although there's 188 countries that belong to the World Bank. The um, most, the, the biggest seven um, that have the strongest economies, it's not one country, one vote. The, the votes are weighted um, roughly in accordance with the strength of the economies. And so the U.S. and um, Russia and China and Japan and uh, Germany and the UK and Saudi Arabia, um, these each have their own dedicated um, executive director. And then the rest of the countries are grouped in groups of countries and they share an executive director. Anyway, so if the um, legal department doesn't do its job, then what happens is the president of the World Bank, who was actually kind of a puppet for the uh, big banks, will dominate the place and ignore everybody else. And I didn't realize why the president of the World Bank was not um, playing by the rules. But I did know um, that this was going to have serious consequences because one of the things that the World Bank is, is it's what they call a knowledge bank. Uh, people will go to the World Bank and they'll try to get their um, product or whatever it is included in the World Bank projects. And so a political scientist came to the World Bank and said, I've got this really great um, model. Uh, it's like game theory. And uh, so I took that uh, model with me to Ghana to work on a, a law project. And uh, I asked if I could have a freebie, if I could model rule of law at the World Bank. And so I did that in 2004. And this thing came out of the defense intelligence community. And it's very, very accurate. And um, so it predicted that if the U.S. didn't play by the rules, we would uh, burn through something called the Gentleman's Agreement, which is that the U.S. could simply name who the president of the World Bank would be. So I started, I, I ran the model in 2004, and then I tried, you know, um, going up the corporate ladder like you're supposed to do if you're a lawyer in-house. And I started reporting on all kinds of um, things that weren't making sense. Um, it turned out it was a lot of corruption. I, I didn't recognize it at the time, but one of the things that I found out was um, I was I kept actually um, getting transferred from one country to another. I would be in a country for a while, and then I would find corruption and I would report it, and then they would transfer me to another country. And so you'd you'd think that I would realize that people didn't want me to find the corruption, but you know I didn't. I just kept reporting it. <laughs> 
So um, I was in uh, the Middle East for 10 years and I was country lawyer for Jordan and Yemen. And that meant I worked on all the World Bank projects in those countries. Um, I would negotiate them. Hmm. And then after a while, I started having my own projects, which would be in the area of law to try to strengthen um, the law of a country. But my um, one of the things that I learned was that uh, if you go into a country and start um, foisting on that country what you think they need, it's it's going to be a lousy project because they're not going to want to do it. They don't want it. Um, you know, they don't want imperialism or somebody else's project. And so you would, you know, if you would go there and talk to people about what it is that they would like to do, and it would be something that you thought you could help them with, you know, then you'd, you'd end up with a project that everybody wanted and that would actually get, um, you know, get implemented properly. So anyway, so I was in the Philippines and um, talk about corruption. This was right at the end of the East Asia crisis in the late 1990s. Um, and the president of the Philippines was a guy who had been a movie star and um, he would play poker at night and he would gamble away the assets of the country. And one of the one of the things he lost in a bad poker game was the second largest bank in the Philippines, <laughs> Philippine National Bank. And it ended up going to his crony named Lucio Tan, who owned Philippine Airlines. And Philippine Airlines had borrowed a lot of money from that bank and was in default. And so I, you know, I went to the man who was in charge of the World Bank projects and I said, you can't um, disperse the loan if the bank is being sold to a borrower in default. That's, you know, that's not in that doesn't satisfy the conditions. Mm -hmm. And besides, it's corruption. So the guy, instead of listening to me, had me reassigned. And so I didn't like that. <laughs> So um, what I did was I um, went to one of the people I knew who was the man who represented the Dutch government. And the two of us went to see the president of the World Bank at the time, uh, Jim Wolfenson. And Jim Wolfenson um, said, oh, um, I, I'll, I'll take care of it. And his idea of taking care of it was to call up my boss and say I had been up there complaining about him. <laughs> so then that, that happened. Um, about four years before I was ultimately fired. And I ended up going to the Treasury Department. And when I went to the Treasury Department, I said, you know, not only is there corruption, but um, we're going to lose the ability to appoint the president of the World Bank. And then, you know, um, the Treasury Department just sort of ignored me. So then I migrated over to the um, Senate Committee on Foreign Relations, which at that point was chaired by Joe Biden. And it had uh, Hillary Clinton on it and Barack Obama. Hmm. And, you know, I, I kept complaining bitterly to them. And um, actually, Senator Luger um, followed up and wrote three letters to the World Bank saying, what on earth is going on there? And when I complained, I also complained, um, you know, I showed them the stakeholder analysis. I said, uh, this thing is very accurate. If we don't watch out what we're doing, you know, we're going to lose the ability to appoint the president of the World Bank. And that actually happened in 2010. And this model um, is now showing that the world is going to land in a currency war if we don't get ourselves back on track. And then it turned out that um, the corruption, you know, I, I've sort of stuck with the problem. And I managed to um, get involved with some other World Bank whistleblowers, including um, a Scottish woman named Elaine Colville. And so the two of us ended up um, 
uh, nagging the UK Parliament. And so the UK Parliament put our complaints up on their um, website um, over a period of a couple of years. And actually, before before I got to the Parliament, I got to the Serious Fraud Office, and the Serious Fraud Office called up the SEC, and the SEC just completely, um, you know, ignored them. And so I, you know, I couldn't understand how the SEC could ignore the UK Serious Fraud Office. But in the process of, you know, flailing around, what I ended up learning was that um, the world stock markets are totally gamed that there's this group that owns the uh, Federal Reserve. And yeah. it's yeah. and it owns um, about 40% of all the assets on the stock markets, 43,000 transnational companies. And it uh, accounts for 60% of the earnings. And the thing is, they're doing it on the cheap uh, because what they do is they appoint um, in a kind of a, what the what the mathematicians at uh, the best university in uh, Zurich, Switzerland, um, it's uh, the Federal Institute of Technology. They have um, mathematicians who modeled very accurate um, corporate data on who owns the corporations. Mm -hmm. And what they found out was that um, this group, um, they call it the super entity. All the banks are actually one big conglomerate because of the way they have interlocking directors. That means that you take the same people and you let them migrate from one bank to the other. That's how we got the uh, LIBOR um, being fixed. Hmm. I mean, it's it's not a pretty picture, and it should, certainly shouldn't continue. And one of the things that, um, that it turns out is that this um, group bought up the media in the United States. So the people in the United States are just completely clueless except if you pay attention to the alternative media. Yeah, which is which is growing more and more now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and it gets it gets really really deep. I mean, it's I uh, geez, I have so many questions here. Um Good. but I guess uh, to get to get back to the original corruption that you found, like when you look back on it now, do you, does the corruption still seem as bad as as you found it then or did, or was there any was there any um like were, were people Assuming that there should be a reasonable amount of corruption at that level, or, or um, I don't know how to, to phrase that, but do you know what I mean? Well, what it turned <laughs> out is that the corruption that I, I was looking at it from inside the World Bank, and I thought the corruption stopped at the World Bank. I didn't realize that the World Bank was a microcosm. Right, right. And so I just, um, and I didn't realize how the layers of corruption worked. And so it was kind of like um, I had the sense at a certain point of like figure that you're taking an elevator and you get to a certain floor and you think that's the top floor and you go around and you, you know, you, you um, figure out what's wrong with that floor. And and then all of a sudden you realize that that floor, you've solved the problem at that floor, but you haven't gotten any progress where things should have should have happened that didn't. So, so for example, if um, if I was going to the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations and they were writing letters to the World Bank, why wasn't that problem solved? And then when the Congress um, ordered a Government Accountability Office audit, and and then the World Bank stonewalled, and it took me a couple of years. And what I what I ended up doing is I went to Organizing for America, which was affiliated with Barack Obama. 
And I, I said, look, you're, you're going to get bipartisan support from uh, Senator Luger and uh, a lot of the other Republicans, because I had been going to, you know, different committees. I went to the Appropriations Committee, the Banking Committee. You know, I went I went all over the place. Um, I was fired in 2007, but because of that stakeholder analysis, which was telling me that um, if I got one country that would stand up for the rule of law, we would end up with a breakthrough. Hmm. Um, so I just, you know, kept at it. And then when the uh, UK serious fraud office called up the SEC, that was when the, the political scientist who had um, come to the World Bank, Yasek Kugler, who was um, at Claremont University. Uh, anyway, um, he he came back and got back and, you know, started answering my emails. So that made me realize that this thing was going to break for the rule of law if I could just, you know, figure out what what needed to happen, that there, that there would be coalitions yeah. that would form. Uh -huh. But the, so the coalitions kept forming, but nothing happened. And that was when I would realize, oh, the problem is it's the Federal Reserve System. Right. But guess what? <laughs> there was another layer on top of the Federal Reserve System. That's the Vatican. So I've been tangling around with the Vatican now for the last year. Wow. Yeah. So so this um, this group, the super entity, as as your your uh, cohorts have called it, is that the same? Would you say as uh, what people say the Illuminati is or the Bilderbergers? Like, is there overlaps? Is it another word for that same kind of, uh, you know, the powers that be group? Yes, but here's the here's the cute thing about it. Um, there are all these interlocking secret societies that I've started learning about. It's not just um, the Masons. It's also there are all these knights, knights of Malta. And, you know, there, there are three or four other groups that, you know, I still don't really I can't differentiate between them. And of course, there's the Jesuits sitting in the middle of that. Um, and so what you have is you have overlock over. Um, interlocking groups that um, sort of have parallel and uh, overlapping, um, you know, they're not, they're, they're, they're not completely identical. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I was reading a book called the flexions. Um, that's hard to pronounce that, but uh, the author was, was uh, trying to label these people that would slide in and out of the political system and the financial system and the educational institutions. And uh, she calls them flexions. Yeah. Similar, similar type thing. These were the ones that were popular in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to uh, mention when you were talking about your work at the World Bank, it kind of reminded me of um, the economic hitman kind of stuff like John Perkins. Uh, did, we want to have uh, John on as a guest one of these days, too. But are you do you know, John, is he part of your um, kind of coalition? He's not part of the, I, I've read his books. I'm, I, um, I can tell you that I can see where he's coming from, but I have a different perspective. I have a different slant on that. Ah, yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, I can tell you what um, what I think. And that is that um, it's true that you do have economic hitmen, but they're not um, they're they're the soldiers. And there are there are you know, there are plans that these people are sort of servicing. But that's not the be all and the end all. Um, 
I mean, there's there's um there's what they call the black nobility. That's um that's been around for generations. That are you know, and then there's the Jesuits that that have been there for like six hundred years, and so the economic hitmen are just sort of um you know mercenaries. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, Karen, this is like pretty serious stuff you're, you've been into now since like 2007 or whatever. Like, have you been have, have you been afraid for your, you know, health and safety or well-being? I mean, it's. Well, look, you... if I had known what I was up against, I, you know, I'm not a fool. I would never have started. But, you know, it's kind of like going across a tightrope. You um, once you start out, if you decide to turn around and go yeah, back, that's when you fall off. <laughs> you just got to keep and, going. Um, and the other thing is that I was captain of the NYU fencing team, so I got I kind of got um, what can I say captivated by the whole process, and so um, I would just sort of try to figure out what was going on, and you know I wasn't I wasn't really dashing around trying to win. I was um, just sort of sitting there trying to defend myself when I would stumble into something. And um, and so, you know, I, I they called me Teflon Hudis when I was <laughs> at the World Bank. I, you know, I just sort of, um, I don't know, I just, I just got kind of um, caught up in the whole thing. And I just kept looking at this stakeholder analysis telling me that there were coalitions. And I mean, there were years that really nothing would happen. And then this last year, I mean, there's just been um, so many things going on because, um, you know, we've gotten through at certain levels. And and so I just um, I've, I just haven't wanted to give up what was going on. I've just been caught up in it. And in terms of how come it's possible for somebody to be negotiating all of this, um, I just, you know, once I realized that um, I wanted to continue and what I had gotten, you know, involved in, I just sort of um, figured out that there were certain things that would that would give me a life insurance policy. And one of them is a guy named Larry Garrison who's a PR guy and has done a lot of stories on people. And as long as he stayed in my court, you know, people would have to figure that um, if something happened to me, this guy was going to make a lot of money on, you know, my story. And so it it wasn't going to solve anything. It was just going to create a huge problem. And especially because I'm not somebody who had documents that I was revealing. What I was revealing was a cover-up. What I was revealing was the fact that nobody knew what was going on because this super entity owned all the media. Because, I mean, for the first, um, you know, what was it, from 2007 until just this year. So for the first five years, all I was doing was documenting the breadth of the cover-up. I, You know, I kept going back to the Wall Street Journal and the Financial Times. And finally, um, Elaine Colville, Uh, said, why don't you start looking at some of the people that were on Matt Tybee's um, uh, blog on the SEC, where this was a couple of years ago when uh, people were complaining about the SEC shredding documents. And that's when I I found a guy named uh, Mark Nowitzki, who used to work for Teletech. And Mark knew his way around the alternative media. 
And so that was when I started getting articles published in the Veteran Today. That was just, you know, and then things started, uh, you know, breaking more for me. And these were guys that participated on Matt Taibbi's blog? Well, these were people that wrote comments. Yeah. Oh, and so oh I okay. They were. Oh, wow. And that's how I found Mark. And Mark, not only did he know his way around the alternative media, uh, but he told me a lot of stuff that I didn't know about the, the corruption in the United States. Um, so that, that really increased. It was funny in the beginning. You know, I didn't want to tell him um, how many powerful people I had irritated because I figured he wouldn't want to get involved with that. He was just as bad. <laughs> and every now and then, you know, and as we've teamed up, we keep aggravating more and more people. <laughs> yeah, show, show each other your scars. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But it's not just scars. It's that, you know, it's information more than anything else. He can explain to me um, things that I don't understand. He's, he's very good at figuring things out. So how um, what does it boil down to these um, cover ups? What does it boil down to for uh, the common man? Like, I suppose those of us, the 99 percent, as it were. You mean who's ripping you off? Yeah, exactly. And how how uh, how could it be different? Like what kind of. How are they holding us back, I guess? And what is it like? In, is it the taxes where they get us or is it usury fees? OK, um, are you ready for my um, map of the rabbit hole? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> OK. Um, now, uh, and by the way, uh, when this country was created, the people who were writing our Constitution were contending with the exact same cast of characters. And um, they warned us. And the thing is, um, we just, most of us, were clueless about what, how we were getting ripped off. So when you pay your taxes, they're going to the United Kingdom briefly, and then most of them are going to the Vatican Bank. Wow. Yeah. And uh, in 1933, the U.S. was thrown into bankruptcy. Um, it was in 1913 that we got the uh, Federal Reserve Bank. And what that is, is that um, instead of the U.S. Treasury printing our money, it's the Federal Reserve that prints the money and then we have to pay them interest. It's our money. Why would we do this? Yeah, yeah. It, we shouldn't have done it, and it was simply put in place um, by crooks. They enacted it um, after most of the Congress went home. Uh, it was Woodrow Wilson, you know, and you can read up on the history about, you know, whose wife was, you know, um, involved in getting the whole thing um, ironed out. It was just, it, it was just a total ripoff. Creature from Jekyll Island is that book, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And um, and we just haven't managed to get ourselves together. And Kennedy tried very hard to extricate this country from that. And that's, you know, 10 days after he signed an agreement so that we would, the Treasury Department would be printing the uh, currency of the United States. That was when he was um, killed. And uh, when 
Lincoln was assassinated, he was bucking the bankers. That's why, um, that's who killed him and why. Hmm. So, um, yeah, that's part of the rabbit hole, but that's that doesn't explain it all. Um, because, and you know, I've gotten involved with, with people who just have a real hard time understanding it, but um, it's, it's the Jesuits who have been actually helping these bankers put their system in place and keep it in place. quite a bit about four or five years ago when the, the Zeitgeist movies came came to fruition there. I don't know if you've heard about those or, or saw those documentaries. And they talked a lot about money in the financial system and the creation of basically money, you know, in the computer, basically out of thin air, charging interest. And now I look at things a little differently. Like, it seems to me like at the highest level of our economy and our financial system that not only us as individuals and countries and corporations are all being basically loaned money because they they need it and then charge this you know exorbitant amount of interest and they don't have the the gold to back it up or any kind of uh proper backing anyways so but it, it doesn't seem like this gets any attention at all like we talk about all these surface issues in the economy but nobody wants to talk about the fact that countries are being loaned this money by these big banks with all this interest. Yeah. Well, that's, again, because of the way the um, mainstream media is set up. And it's, it's, you know, people, what's happening, though, is that because we have the internet and because the internet is still, uh, by and large, functional, although, you know, there, there have been serious inroads into it, I mean, look what what happened with um, Adam Schwartz. Um, but anyway, um, so so. You mean in, inroads at blocking it? You mean right? Is that what yes. you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. look, yeah. look who bought um, Reddit, Condé Nast, oh. and the, it was it was Condé Nast that tried to get um, people to go out on July Fourth uh, with their guns so that there could be a clampdown. They what they wanted. What I can tell you, what's what's happened now, and that is that enough people have gotten wise to the Federal Reserve system mm-hmm. that they are losing their grip. And also because of um, when you have uh, what they call 
um, fractional reserve fiat currency. That's just a fancy way for saying that uh, you can issue nine times the amount of um, money that you actually have on reserve. Yeah, but and that's that, not even false. There's no is it? magic reason for that. It's just to what extent do we allow the banks to rip us off? So anyway, um, th this paper money is only going to be valuable as long as people agree that it's valuable. And what's happened is gold is now um, making uh, people that hold gold are um, getting more and more reluctant to um, trade their gold for for paper currency because they know that, that the time for this currency to maintain its value is limited. Every month we're you know, churning out the printing press and issuing more paper currency, which is eroding in value. So um, you can't lease gold anymore if you're a central bank because the chance of getting your gold back at the end of the lease period is unacceptably, you know, risky. So, so something has to give somewhere. And so the Federal Reserve is, they had this um, elaborate scheme how they were going to trick everybody into um, giving up dollars for a different currency. But it turns out that the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, um, saw that this was going to happen. And they, they grouped together and they agreed that they would um, not finance international trade in dollars anymore and that they would actually use a, a series of offsets or barter and, and if there was any um, trade imbalance, they would finance that trade by, do by gold instead of dollars. So this is, this is signaling the end, the beginning of the end for the dollar as an international reserve currency. And, who, and uh, who, um, who? so I could tell from my stakeholder analysis when there was going to be this need for a shift and the shift wasn't going to happen, um, somebody sent me a, a warning that there was um, a likelihood of a clampdown, that there were um, 380,000 foreign troops that were going to come to, you know, there's a series of um, groups, uh, FEMA camps and areas, and the area in Washington, we were going to have 380,000 foreign troops and there was going to be martial law. So I sounded the alarm and I could tell that this was actually um, going to be primarily coming from the Chinese in cahoots with the Vatican. And I warned everybody. I said, you know, this isn't happening. And and the army agreed. And so um, what I what I just did today was um, uh, see this, this uh, model showed me that if the United States did play by the rules, that instead of uh, China being able to come in very fast, that we would we would be able to strengthen our alliance with Europe. And so the very key group is the Russians and the Germans. So, you know, I've been, um, you know, I've been uh, writing in German uh, websites and anyway, um, and I've been going back to something called the governor, the Council of Governors and telling them that, uh, see, the Council of Governors was created by executive order um, under the uh, 
Department of Homeland Security, not under, because, you know, governors are not under anything. If anything, the federal government is under the governors. But so 10 governors are appointed to this council of governors, and there's a liaison in the Department of Defense to the Department of Homeland Security. So I've been using that group as a kind of, um, uh, what could I say, um, replacement for the federal government, because the federal government was just so corrupt and the Congress was just so, what can I say? Um, any, any person in Congress that tried to buck the system was going to find, uh, look what happened with Senator Luger. Um, he didn't even make the primaries. There was going to be a candidate that was going to be financed um, by this group. And look at how the uh, foreign elect, foreigners came in and tried to buy up the presidency. Uh, Mitt Romney had the former president of the World Bank, uh, Robert Zellick, as his national security transition planning chief. And I couldn't get uh, CBS during the presidential debates to ask a question on corruption. So people who rely on the mainstream media for news are just um, clueless, just totally clueless. Anyway, so what, what, what basically happened in the United States, I can say, um, is that the army has saved us. That's what happened. There were enough loyal people in the army that were um, more interested in the security, the national security interest of this country. And they, they saw that this warning that I had gotten about the uh, military um, coup, the, you know, that, that we were going to have all these foreign troops um, and that there was going to be a bloodbath coming. Um, so they um, they rallied and we're not going to have that. We're so, going to have rule of law. So that the, the Chinese are going to come over to the U.S. and attack, is that? It was U.N. troops and those U.N. troops were going to be out in the streets. They're already here. It's just that there, there's no opportunity. There was going to be a war going in Syria. Well, we, you know, we did, didn't sign on to that disinformation. Yeah. All of that garbage about whether there was sarin gas. There was, you know, the, the sarin gas came from Saudi Arabia and went to our mercenaries. It, was, it had nothing to do with uh, the government. Uh, we were just sort of fed a, a, a bunch of lies. And this is the first time that we didn't end up in a war because of the bankers' lies. It's, yeah. it's quite, uh, and it, it, that was actually the UK Parliament that rescued us. And it's been the UK Parliament that's rescued us in the financial se sector as well. Do you think it was it was more so the UK Parliament than, than the social media or, or the uh, our access to new media? I can tell you the answer is it wasn't the new media. Wow. It was it was the UK Parliament. Hmm. I mean, if you look at the timelines and, you know, uh, because I've been uh, briefing everybody on Twitter and Facebook. And by the way, those things are censored. If people don't like what I'm writing, I can't post them. So so what I've done is I've um, gotten the point of just writing things. What, what do you mean, what do you mean by that? Cloud. What do you mean by that? If people don't like what you're posting I can't post it. I push click, send, you know, yeah. and it, I get a message back saying we, we won't take this message. We won't oh, post it. Oh, I see what you mean. So what I do is I just write it um, 
as a, a piece of paper, uh, you know, a, a document, and then I put that in the cloud, um, and then I get a link to it, and I just say, see this link. That's the only way I can do that wow. now. I don't think with all of Darren's crazy tweets that he's had that problem yet. <laughs> I've been suspended maybe once. Oh, have you? A long you? time ago, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I mean, or, or for example, on Reddit, um, somebody put something up about me and I wanted to do what is it when you get to ask questions? I forget what they call that. Ask Reddit. Yeah, they wouldn't let me do it. You're blackballed. So now Reddit is owned by one of these basically yeah, by the same company that owns all the news. Right, right. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, and the Internet. Um, they they've got all kinds of plans for. Um, they realize that the internet is what's um, kept people afloat and and prevented them from this uh, clampdown that they had in mind. They you know, and so I really feel that if if we don't, you know, make sure that we that we don't end up with um, martial law this time around, there won't be um, an internet to save us the next time. And, and, and uh, you know, not, a, not every alternative media source is real alternative media. Some of them are just plants, I can tell right. you. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if, if you had to ask me just, you know, based on what I've experienced, how much of the Internet that you see is, is really, um, you know, uh, the people's Internet, I'd say 20%. Wow, that's it, eh? Yeah. Well, they're even talking about um, countries paying their citizens to post positive comments in uh, blogs and all this kind of stuff now. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Wow. So these are the same people that own the Federal Reserve, I guess. Like most people probably don't realize that, that it's actually privately owned. So many people are just so clueless. And, uh, you know, I really feel for them because that was that was me, you know, um, seven, eight years ago. It's it's there are things that happen that just sort of don't really make sense. But other than this vague sense of things not making sense, um, a lot of people don't really know the contours of just how co-opted and corrupted this country is. I'm sorry to say. Well, well, the world too, right? I mean, not just the countries, th this country or your country, but. Yes, it makes it much harder. Yeah. So that would that that must travel right through to Canada. Like we must be the same going through the same stuff. Yeah, I guess I get stuff from Canadians all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you think, well, do you think it's going to give? Do you think we'll see a breakthrough in the next 10, 15? Like if you, could you put a timeline on it or do you think we're just, it's just going to go from one form to another for the rest? of? No, I, uh, I mean, I get, um, I get accused a lot of times of being um, overly optimistic. And, um, but I'll tell you, um, I really, I really believe that it's because of this um, very accurate, um, game theory analysis. Um, what I what I expect to happen, and you'll see it. Um, that is, there's um, a meeting of the World Bank um, that's called and the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, on the 9th of October, 
Mm. And I and I expect that. Oh, hello. Yeah, can we go back to the meeting on October the eighth or ninth? Right. Um, I think they got a little bit nervous. I think so. <laughs> How ironic. Well, I'll tell you why they got nervous. Because um, you know, I'm. Uh, I've been uh, reinstated by the board because I bought a World Bank bond. That meant that the World Bank wasn't immune. And uh, bondholders are entitled to information, financial information. So I went to all of the countries where the World Bank's $180 billion worth of bonds are traded. And I started getting all of the regulators, including, you know, there's something called the International... Um, organization of supreme audit institutions that's for all the government auditors and I you know I just got everybody on notice that they were um, required to stop all this corruption um, you know following the stakeholder analysis anyway um, so it turned out after I got my uh, bondholder suit settled all of the ministers of finance 188 of them um, brought me back to the World Bank. And then I was um, at the spring meeting on the 19th of April, I was given a security badge and I went in there. And then the next day, the Secret Service um, tried to throw me out. <laughs> so I stayed on the per perimeter of the meetings and I kept you know, calling people up and complaining. And anyway, um, Eric Holder tried to prosecute me for trespass and, you know, they ended up losing that, uh, dismissing that suit. Anyway, so what I did today was uh, the security, the firm that employs uh, the security personnel, Allied Barton, is owned by the people that owned uh, the Federal Reserve. And we fired them. The board fired them today. Wow. And we have another f security firm that's going to um, be admitting me back to the World Bank. And I'm going on um, uh, Russia... TV, Russia Today, Russia TV or, no, yeah. for my second appearance. And I'm just telling the whole world, you know, these crooks are fired. And, um, you know, while we have a few more minutes, I'll tell you what else is going on. All of these, um, you know, the, the uh, Jesuits and the, the black nobility, they took the gold of the world and they hoarded it away. And it's all coming out now, and everybody's trying to grab it. And I said, nothing doing. I said, we are following the rules. We are all going to see exactly where that's going. And the crooks that think they can just sort of do what they want to with it are not going to do what they want to with it. You know, all of the crooks that have brought us to where we are today, they think that they've got, that they're entitled, that mm -hmm. everything is coming to them. Well, it's not all coming to them. Where's this gold, gold coming from the Vatican or? Well, the Vatican had some. I mean, look, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, um, if you look at the, the stuff that I've posted on Twitter or if you go to my website, www.kahudis.net. Yep. Um, anyway, um, what you'll find out is that the amount of gold involved is many times what people thought the amount of gold was and all the jewels and, you know, and the point is 
this stuff belongs to everybody. It doesn't belong to these elites. They think they can control it. They think they can keep us, you know, um, feeling like we're not entitled to our pensions. That, that's, you know, they've got it backwards. They think we're going to sit here and let them continue to um, prey off everybody. And, you know, the, I don't even want to start talking about some of the stuff they did. But um, the Queen of England and the uh, Pope were found guilty of um, child trafficking. And the Pope has not been allowed to access his apartments. And the Queen of England was dethroned and nobody knows it. And these people think that they can keep their hands on all the whole world's gold, forget it. So that's what's going on. And that's why they didn't want you know us to have our connection. They didn't want me to tell everybody. Wow, that's quite a shocker. I'm a little speechless. Oh, no, it gets even better. It gets even better. Hitler, remember Hitler? He's first cousins to the Queen of England. Yeah, that's a new one for me, too. Oh, oh I mean, the whole thing is new. Um, Hitler didn't commit suicide. He went off to the Philippines. And it turned out that Queen Victoria had a twin brother. And he went off to the Philippines. And then he ran around the world having affairs and siring children. So uh, you know how they call it uh, Yamashita's gold? Yamashita was one of the children of the brother of Queen Victoria. Now, it sounds like I've you know, had something that I shouldn't have had and I'm delusional, but I'm not. I mean, just wait until everybody has caught up on all of this stuff. And so some of this stuff is, is happening today, right? Like you're, you're saying um, about the Allied Barton and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they were fired today. Wow. That means that the Federal Reserve does not have the right to intimidate everybody. Forget it. The sun has set on the, that, that group. So you think we'll start to see a ripple effect right away? It's not a ripple effect. Why? It's, it's direct? It is absolutely direct. They are fired. Now, they can still continue to issue dollars, but there's going to be all this gold that we're talking about. Some of it will back the U.S. currency. Mm. And we will see, uh, I mean, one of the things that was going on after the U.S. was declared bankrupt was that some idiot went and incorporated the United States and, and said that our constitution was no longer in effect and our citizenship was no longer valid. I mean, it sounds like, I, I mean, I had to read this stuff over five or six times before it actually um, became something I could believe. It sounds so improbable, mm -hmm. but it happens to be true. And once people realize the extent of, uh, of the corruption that we have been subject to, no, these people are not coming back. They will not recover from this. They are fired. And what they had in mind for us didn't happen. So do you think there's more, though? Do you think, like, there's more heads to roll, or is that look, it? Look, I'm not I, – everybody – every time somebody asks me this, I, I look forward. I'm not – you know, there may be people that are interested in going back and exacting um, some kind of retribution. But I, that's not where I like to focus my attention. I like to look forward and figure out what we're doing next. 
not how to go back and get even, you know? Maybe other people will do that. I'm not, I, I'm not the expert to ask on that. I just don't focus on that. No, I mean, like, do you mean there will be more – there will be – sorry. I mean, will there be more people getting fired and, like, is this just the tip of the iceberg? Who knows? It may very well be that people will just go and um, retire and just not bother us anymore. I don't know what people are going to want to happen, whether we like throwing people in jails. I, I, I honestly don't know. I, we are in uncharted territory right now. It's interesting times, isn't it? Eh? With everything, everything's not like it's not sustainable. Like something's got to give, like you said earlier. But where we're going is a much, much, much better place. Yeah. It, well, it can't get much more uh, fake and corrupted. No, it, that's the whole point. It's going to get much better. Yeah. But what's going to first happen is people are going to figure out where we actually were. And these improbable things that I'm telling you, people will find out, yes, that's exactly where we were. So how long do you think before um, before this really starts to – before, I guess, we'll start the, – the common man will start to see the fruits of – well, what I said was that the, the Bretton Woods are meeting on the 9th of October, and we have fired Allied Barton, who was part of this corrupt um, super entity. So they are not keeping the world's law out of the Bretton Woods institutions. The world's law and all of the fired whistleblowers are going right back in, and we are going to straighten that place out, and then we're going to, you know— work together with everybody. And so, I mean, what you'll have to see is whether it happens like I'm saying or if it doesn't. And if it does happen, then the very first thing I'm going to try to do is see that information flows and that people are included and that the idea of having the Federal Reserve censor the news that people know is not going to continue. Who said they had a right to buy up the media and lie to everybody? No, yeah. they don't. Forget it. Done. Cooked. Finished. So, so summarize again for us what, what you think is going to happen at this meeting between the IMF and the World Bank. Okay. 188 ministers of finance and development are going to show up, and we are going to sit down and we are going to sort out who is the legal authorized signatory for the world's gold and, tr and precious metals. And they are all coming out, and we are going to get very good ideas about how this money is going to be spent to benefit everybody in the world. That's what's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then um, something, some, then the crooks are at it again. But, I mean, there should be a way for enough people to know what's supposed to happen that it actually does happen. That's also part of the rationale for, you know, for me trying to, to get the word out now. And you'll be going on RT to talk about this soon, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw your other interview on there. It was really good. So if anybody wants to uh, to see that interview, it's on Karen's website, K-A-H-U-D-E-S dot net. And it's right there uh, at the beginning there. When you click on it, you'll see the uh, money laundering criminals. And it's your chat on, on RT. It's really good. Thanks. So... Karen, we're just about uh, running out of time here. Is there anything else you want to say? It's been a, a, a deep and fascinating conversation. Um, 
my head's kind of reeling, especially from the last like five, 10 minutes here. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got me mad when they <laughs> shut us down. Yeah. <laughs> It'll it'll come through okay after a little editing here. Um, so what else do you do? You have anything else you want to say or talk about? Well, I yeah, I just think that it's very important. If you know, one of the things that they drill into you at the World Bank is um, when you're doing any kind of reform, you have to know what it is that you're looking for. What they call they call that the indicators. And so, if you people are interested in figuring out what's going on, there's one very good indicator, and that is what's happening to the whistleblowers. Are they getting shut down? Um, because if they are, then it's pretty likely that you don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, that's how you know that you're on track for fixing corruption. And that something is pos something positive is possible here, right? There's, there's probably some people on the inside that kind of want this to happen too. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like you sit back and it gets delivered to you on a, on a platter. You've got to be demanding it and you've got to be, you know, hustling for it. And you've got to be sorting through all the different information you get. And you can't say, oh, that whistleblower wouldn't lie to me. So whatever she says is absolutely true. Absolutely not. Maybe I'm having a bad day and I want to get even with somebody. You have got to be critical and evaluate your information. Yeah. Um, so people can find you, uh, of course, at the website, like Graham said. Um, where can we track you down on – where can our listeners track you down on Twitter and on, and on Facebook? Okay, it's Karen Hudis at Twitter.com, and the same thing for Facebook, KarenHudisFacebook.com. Okay, and we'll make sure we link to both of those in the show notes. Thanks. Yeah, maybe we can uh, have you on again after uh, so, so much stuff's going on right now. Um, you know, maybe after this meeting and all that. Uh, yeah, and we'll we see whether it really happened or whether, you know, it didn't happen. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, it'll be yeah, interesting I to follow. Yeah, I can't wait. I'll be watching for sure now. Yeah. Where does a fellow watch something like that? Or where, well, where you, um, you can just do... Um, www.worldbank.org and just click around until you see annual meeting or it's the same thing with www.imf.org and see if you can find where they're discussing the annual meeting and you can see whether you know <laughs> what's going on there i'm kind of scared to hit those websites i don't know <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's okay we can just uh, follow karen's twitter feed and she'll keep us up to date that's right i do that yeah Welcome back. That was our fascinating conversation with Karen Hudes. Yeah, that was a good one. There was definitely a couple of fucking doozies in there. Yeah. Uh, That's one of the first ones where I've been uh, left speechless, I think. Actually, maybe not. There's been a few, but that one was uh, a pretty good stutter in my conversation abilities. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those ones I'm going to look back and say, well, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say that? I'm just my mouth is you know Stabbed. my jaw my jaws dropped and I'm I'm just thinking what well just totally caught off guard. So yeah, this is where we learn how to podcast and how to keep things moving and and challenge our guests and stuff. But yeah, she threw a couple doozies out there. Yeah, it was uh, all in all a fun chat, and uh, hopefully we'll see what happens with her predictions here. Maybe she hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just fascinating to talk about all that, that bank stuff. Like I was saying, uh, <clears throat> in the you know, and since I watched this zeitgeist stuff and learned a bit more about how money is created and all, it's kind of changed my worldview a little bit, right? And um, I kind of wanted to get into that a little bit more with her, like how money is created, but it was kind of more about the corruption at the highest levels of the World Bank and the IMF. So um, fascinating still, really good. And uh, I think next week we got, what's uh, Robert W. Sullivan the fourth? Yeah. Yeah, that'll, that, that's going to be really good. Yeah, talking about the stonemasons and all that sort of stuff. So that'll be a good one, too. Now you've been watching too much of The Simpsons. You mean the Freemasons? Oh, yeah, the Freemasons. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I guess he's I a, think Jared's... He's a 32nd-degree stonemason. <laughs> our Kiwi ambassador, uh, Jared... Uh, Asked for my address yesterday. Uh oh. Or the address to the igloo. What? What is he going to send us? The, the blow up sheep or something? I like don't that? know. I suppose it'll be a surprise. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's there's a couple good episodes coming up. That was a, we'd really like to thank Karen Hudes for for coming on and and chatting with us about all of her uh, hard work and dedication to blowing the whistle on the corruption in the world. Yeah, that was uh, good. We thanks, uh, thanks of course, and uh, hopefully I can pop out the psilocybin episode here pretty quick too. Now that I'm done um, fixing my laptop, um, I can get back to editing and and this sort of shit. So yeah, and and maybe fix my email for me if you don't mind, because uh, I've been getting a couple emails, but I can't respond right now to people. So please keep. Sending emails to Graham at Grahamerica dot com. That's G R A H A M at Grahamerica dot com. And if you don't get a reply, uh, don't worry about. It. I'll try at some point. But um, there's been some problems with uh, the website and email and stuff. So yeah, or Darren at Grahamerica dot com. Um, you can always still get into your email though through the iPage thing. But I'll we'll we'll talk about that after. Um, and of course on Twitter we're at Grahamerica. Uh, Facebook slash Grimerica. And I think that's about it. That's the only places. Maybe feedback at Grimerica.ca for all the hate mail. All right, man. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks again. And uh, I'll talk to you in a couple of days. Yeah, we'll have links to everything in the show notes, uh, all the music and Karen Hudes and all her, her endeavors. But yeah, Graham, have fun at Paradigm. And um, I'll be back with uh, an episode next week, guys.